FCS football podcast with Joe DeLeon. Well, let's get fat. And Sean Anderson. I am a soothsayer. Welcome back here on the FCS football podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by two former college football players from the University of Rhode Island. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Sean Anderson after a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Sean, how are we doing today? Well, I had a pretty good uh, Memorial Day weekend. I uh, just saw some family. I was supposed to go to a, uh, a bar, but my family was, uh, you know, here and around, so I did not do that. Uh, but it was a uh, it was a fun Memorial Day weekend. Um, what did I do? I went golfing, got caught in a major storm, busted on my shin on the side of my driveway. Uh, so that's all scraped the bittens Saturday night. Uh, went out to the bars. Uh, that was okay. Um, almost crashed myself on a bird scooter and almost split out, opened my other shin. And then, uh, Where yeah, there, it was. A, wait, wait, you are too large to be getting on those bird scooters. I don't. Oh, I was flying on it. I barely fit on. I would be so worried of, of you falling off of that thing. Cause I worry about falling off and I'm. Not that big compared to you. I have to one foot it. Yeah, exactly. Your whole foot takes up the whole part of the... There's no plus-sized bird scooters. I know, so I'm just one-footing it. So people see me going, it's just, here's this guy on one one leg on, on the scooter. I can't even imagine if like a group of people turned a corner and you didn't have time to react. I think you'd kill them. Like, I, there's no... There's no any room for error there you would kill at least half of the group of people if you couldn't stop tragic scene in downtown arlington tonight as is approximately 11 30 as caught on the security cameras outside of this dunkin donuts walgreens uh showed a 300 plus pound man wipe out six people turning the corner <laughs> he was obviously out of control we're we're waiting to see if he was inebriated or not but sources will say he likely was he was booked for vehicular manslaughter. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'd have to. Up, yeah, they'd have to upgrade you because you're basically a human car at that point. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moral of the story: Stop riding the damn bird scooters. You should not be doing that. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's cool because they actually do drive me. Uh, but <laughs> we all left at a little bit of different times, so I was following the guys ahead of me. And then I knew there were guys behind me, like three people uh, that left maybe a minute after me. And these things go all the same speed, kind of like they're, you know, the max speed. If it's 15 miles per hour, every uh, scooter is supposed well, to go 15 wait, miles but, per hour. But if you, but if you it catch do, a, if not you catch for a me, hill, yeah, I got you, lapped. Oh, I was going to say, if you catch a good hill, you would probably blow past everybody. Oh, on the on a downhill? Yeah, on a downhill. So you probably got caught oh, this the uphill. Is a, uh, no, this is just flat streets, and then mm. my weight on the scooter compared to the weights <laughs> of everybody else, they were able to catch up and get in front of me. And somehow, after I left, I think third, I came to the, I, I showed up to the bar sixth. Oh my god! <laughs> you should have just, you should have just walked and gotten yourself a hot dog from the Seven Eleven and oh, called boy, it a I day. Wanted to. Should have just done that. Oh. All right. So I think that's enough recapping our, our uneventful weekends. Uh, Sean, can you share with our listeners a little bit about Bet Online? 
I would love to. And, you know, betonline.ag, they have so many great prop bets. They have so many great lines and everything that you need for all the sports and NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, MLB is in full swing, all of that. We know the NFL season's coming up. You know, some prop bets that I like, uh, if they're which one of the co-hosts would blow out their voice uh, in a night of drinking this past weekend. Thank a you. lot of people saw me as the, the favorite on that, but it was actually Joe DeLeon, the underdog. You, you so if you wanted to bet on that at his plus as, 800, okay. then you would have been good there. Uh, but, you know, it, it, that's the fun of it. You never know exactly what's going to happen. And watching these games, they're fun. You get a little more juice. You get a little more excited when you got some money on the line. So head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. You're just not as fun as I am. It's okay to admit that. So, we need to get Ricola to sponsor this show. Yeah, honestly, at this point. <clears throat> it was rough yesterday. I had to record an open for the uh, Draft Prospects podcast. I, I do the opens and the, and the reads for the interviews, and that was not easy to do because my voice was a lot worse than it currently is. But speaking of talking, Sean, today we're going to be talking about that was the most speaking of talking, <laughs> most ham-fisted transition I think I've ever had. <laughs> Walking of moving, Joe. Is <laughs> today's episode we're talking eating, <laughs> eating of consuming. Today's episode we're talking Suck. about FCS <laughs> FBS upsets to watch for, and we we took a look at the. FCS FBS matchups that we have this upcoming season and as you can imagine there's going to be a ton of them this year as a lot of them were not played this past season all of these games not all of them are really going to be close there's games like Mercer Alabama where we can probably guess right now who's going to win that football game but we decided to go through and look through and, and of these matchups pinpoint I think we've got about like seven or so seven or eight or so games that we think have potential for that FCS-FBS upset, especially because these teams are returning a lot of their starters. They're facing really weak FBS programs that are coming off of really messy years last year. These FCS teams that we picked, I think I have a really, really good shot of potentially upsetting some of these squads. But, Sean, I do want to point out there was an interesting game that caught my eye, and I made sure to confirm it, that is being played on September 11th, McNeese State versus LSU. And the significance of this game, I don't know how often this has happened, Sean, but we have a father versus son matchup here in the sense that Ed Ogeron, the head coach of LSU, is going to be facing against his son, Cody Orgeron, who is at one point the starting quarterback for McNeese State. Now, we don't know for a fact if he's going to be starting this upcoming season. There could be some competition throughout camp, but it, it appears that I would bet that Orgeron will be will be starting at at least maybe getting on the field at some point just because of that matchup. But I just thought that was so random and also really interesting because you just don't see that often. More often than not, coaches' sons end up on the team, and instead here we are with an FCS-FBS matchup, son versus father. I'm more uh, confused about Ed Orgeron's kid being named Cody. That is, I have Why? a disconnect there. I don't know. I've never met a Southern Cody That's ever. A good point. That's a good point. Have you? Um, I don't meet as many Southern people as you do. I think because you're more South, or you were more South than I was. Yeah. Uh, well, it's gonna be fun. I mean, football. I mean, all the, the like. There was a good post over the weekend, I think NFL throwback, because they just have really good posts. Uh, you know, instead of, did you see what ESPN did with SportsCenter? 
they freaking yeah. posted Sports Sports Center's top ten funniest videos of the year. Yeah. How don't hacked. Need, we don't need it's the, so we don't bad need to go down um, that rabbit hole. But you know, it, the NFL throwback, I believe, posted a uh, a picture, a little thing about the uh, the Matthews family in the NFL, and how it's like Bruce and uh, and Clay Senior, Jake Matthews, all, all of them uh, doing their thing. I'm like, this is you know, th- there's weird times where it just gets interconnected, and you realize, wow, some people, this sport is their entire life, and we, for I'd say about. For me, it was about five years where it was my entire life. For you, I'd say, how long? Six years? It was your entire life? Yeah, six six years. I can't imagine. You know, I'll always be around it. But being that involved for 40 years or whatever it is, that's insane. And to, I think it helps when you do have family with you also because you're just kind of – it feels like you're not alone. And that that's what's always been intriguing to me about, like, brothers in the NFL or, or sisters in other sports. It was – um it was just really, really cool. Yeah, definitely very, very cool. And, and regardless, though, I think this is just so fun to see because we're going to have, again, the rarity of it. It's not often that a coach's son plays football, first of all, at the at a high level. But for them to be playing at an FCS program and then also for it to line up where he's going to get to face his son, like that could have that could have happened next year had the eligibility rules been different and there had been no COVID that might not even have happened this matchup so it's just very fun that's a game that I'm going to watch even if McNeese State gets smacked 70 to nothing and Cody Orgeron throws for seven picks I'm still going to be interested in seeing like could you imagine (laughs) that coming home the Thanksgiving dinner at the end of your season and it's just like you have to look your dad in the face after sending the dogs after you Dad, did you really need to blitz on third and fifteen when we were when we were down down by thirty? <laughs> Can you just, imagine? <laughs> he couldn't have put in a couple more three stars. It had to be all fives. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Ed seems like the type of guy to do that too. Ed Ogeron seems like the type of guy to like, oh, this is my son. We're we're sending extra pressure this play. I would love to be at that Thanksgiving dinner table. I would love to. <laughs> all right, let's get into these actual matchups that we have. The first one, Sean, Wyoming versus Montana State. Wyoming last year, 2-4, and four, their best win against Hawaii. And before we roll through these, Sean, I, most of the philosophy behind picking these games, and I think what is, is, is going to be the, the hot spot for getting these right, is right. not picking elite FCS programs to beat whoever they're playing because that's just rare. It doesn't happen that often. We, we, we don't really get the North Dakota State-Iowa type games often. But rather, we need to bank on a quality FCS team, an above average one, playing a really, really bad FBS program. And I think Wyoming fits the bill in this, in this first one for uh, when they're playing Montana State, who's probably presumably going to be a ranked team once they play a full year next year. Yeah, uh, the Bobcats are always tough, and they I think it was this, the second year of us doing the show is when they really started making a big push, mm-hmm. and they were just, even fr- uh, our first uh, first season, uh, when it was actually the real season, Montana State, uh, legit, and they're going to give anybody problems. It's, it's going to be close, and Wyoming's going to have a handful. They just will, because I'm a, <laughs> the recruiting pool in those states has to be pretty similar. So if you're not going to Wyoming, you're probably going to Montana state or Montana. And it's just going to be very, very close. I see it all being, obviously you're going to recruit guys from all over the country. You're going to get California, Jersey, Texas, Florida, wherever Maryland. 
it doesn't matter. But the majority of your makeup of your team is going to be the majority of the reason you win or lose. And being from those states, it's all going to be very similar, similar play styles, all of that. It's going to be close, uh, and Montana State e- very well could upset Wyoming. Yeah, I would honestly put this in the category of most likely to happen. And it's interesting that you say it's the similar. It's a similar recruiting pool. It's a lot of those midwestern states, like the you know the Idaho's, Montana's, North Dakotas, um, all those states in that area. They're they're going to pull from the same group of recruits that are familiar with those types of areas because it's going to be hard to recruit a kid from Florida to come all the way to Montana. He's just not going to have any experience going to Montana. He's not going to know what it's like. He's going to want to go to somewhere that's warmer along those lines. But I think in this circumstance, a lot of kids, if they're not ranked recruits, if they're offered an opportunity to play for a good program like Montana or Montana State, I think most of them are going to pick that over mm-hmm. Wyoming. I mean, like, What redeeming qualities does Wyoming have? They very rarely have a winning program. The best player that they put out was Josh Allen, and since that, nobody. Before that, nobody. So it, I, th- I would argue in any situation, and there's a lot of similar games like this, Sean, that we're going to end up hitting on where it's just a better established program that is more disciplined going against a, just a super, super weak Midwestern-ish uh, FPS team. Right. It, it's all going to be very, very close. So the second one we have... Maine versus UMass, and surprise, surprise, UMass is not or is on here multiple times. <laughs> Last year they were 0-4, and you pinpointed, Sean, I don't know if you still have it up or not, the list of losses that they have from last year are very demoralizing to just read through the scores of those losses. Yeah, uh, lost to Georgia Southern 0-41, to lost to Marshall 10-51, to uh, to FAU 2-24, to uh, and to Liberty 0-45. to Now, Liberty was legit, but regardless, they didn't score more than 10 points the entire season, all four games. Wait, if, that my, is, if my math checks out, they only they, did they even score 20 points over a four-game span? They scored twelve points. Oh my god! Oh. Let me do some quick. Let me do some quick math also to see how much they gave up. Let me just do a little That's addition. Three points per game. Forty-one plus fifty-one plus twenty-four plus. See, 45. UMass thought they were too good, then they moved up. So we are. I'm gladly going to clown on them. The Minutemen are yeah. garbage. This is a terrible they, football program. Over four games, they scored twelve points and they gave up one hundred and sixty-one. Oh my god! <laughs> that. And they got lucky they didn't play an FCS team last year because the year before yeah. they lost to the, the Salukis. They lost to Jeremy Chin and company. So uh, this is this a perfect is, game. Perfect yeah, game Joe, for them to lose. UMass is not going to be uh, strong by any means from what we could see last year. And it, it's just going to be a, a – it's not going to be pretty at all. And Maine, I know they, um, you know, they had some people transfer, uh, some of their good players that transferred. Uh, and and – doesn't matter. It, they're not, UMass is definitely not steps better than Maine. Right, right. Yeah, they're, and Maine is is not necessarily – it doesn't really have any redeeming tr- qualities to them from what we saw last year that necessarily makes me like all in and like, oh, wow, they're a dominant team. They've been a bit up and down over the past few years since they made that, that run – in the playoff and Deshaun Stevens is leaving Joe Fagnano is coming back, which is a positive, but that's going to be a tough hard nosed team playing them in, in November 
in Massachusetts, they're going to be way more weathered than you are. I I would th- th- this one should be a lock. Like if we're putting bets down, I don't I have no clue what the line is. The line's obviously going to change by the time this game rolls around. But if we're putting actual bets down on any of these, Sean, I'm betting on UMass to lose all of their FCS matchups. Yeah, let's uh, let's check out betonline.ag when that rolls around. That's something that I can get yes. on board with. Yeah, well, if if we're talking about UMass, Joe, and I believe you alluded that they're on here more than once. Mm-hmm. You want to you want to get a little little homer here? I mean, it's not even a homer call. It's it's it's, it's almost it's it's just a straight up UMass is a dump call as they're going to be facing URI on November sixth, a week before they play Maine. So back to back weeks, they're probably going to lose to back to back CAA teams. Back to back. Oh, that's going to be so great. Northeastern New England teams. And the funny thing, too, if you recall, Sean, there's a lot of guys from that UMass program that have transferred to URI. I yeah. can't even name all of them off the top of my head because there's like a good clump of them that left UMass because they were frustrated by how bad of a program it was that they came to URI. And right now, URI's on the rise. They're on, on the come up. They were at one point ranked for a reason. I see them being very reminiscent and close to what they produced when we were juniors back in what was that 2018? 2018, yep. Yeah, 2018 when we when we were 6 and 5. I see them being that good and I, honestly a 6 and 5 URI team, we would have beaten this upcoming UMass team that has very minimal talent. Oh yeah. I, and it's it, and this is not us patting ourselves on the back no. by any means. So if you're listening, you're like, oh my gosh, please stop talking about the CAA and how good Roddy is. No, 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 no. It's, they're going to upset UMass. This current rendition of your eye and this current rendition of Maine are going to upset UMass. And UMass is going to be looking at their program saying, wow, we just lost back-to-back to FCS teams. And they are going to have to take a long look in the mirror and say, what are we doing? What are we doing in this mm. conference? You know? Where, what's, they're they're still an the independent. Light? They're still an independent. So. Oh, what am I so stupid for? It does it doesn't matter. Well, they were so Go. bad that they had to leave the MAC. I I will gladly <laughs> crap on UMass and UConn until like the end of time. Both of those programs for leaving the FCS and thinking that they were good enough to compete with FBS programs. Y- UConn yeah. gets a little bit of props because they were competitive in the Big East at one point. UMass though has always been bad. They will never be competitive. They will never be good. All they have is Andy Isabella, and he hasn't done jack in the NFL. Speaking of UConn, though, Sean. Oh, yeah. October 16th. This one I'm not as sold on because I have no idea what to expect from Yale. But October 16th, Yale versus UConn. Another circumstance of really bad FBS program that has been talked about of of moving back down to the FCS. They are this... uh, inconsistent at the FBS level and on top of their conference woes of not even being in a conference. The only reason I threw this on here was just because of that, because we have no idea what Yale is going to be like. We haven't seen them in a very long time. Yeah. The Ivy Ivies is going to be hard for me to say definitively. This is an upset to watch. I'm, I think UConn's going to beat Yale. I do. And it's just because the Ivies didn't let any football happen for two years. And that's their decision. They, you know, they didn't value the athlete to make that big push and have them play uh, games. And you know, it's it's very very unfortunate. 
and you can it, you just feel bad for the for the students and the student athletes who could not play. They couldn't play. I mean, uh, I I think I told you. Uh, Joe, you know, Jim Beheim, you know, he's got a kid playing uh, lacrosse at Colgate. Hasn't played in two years. Thinks He thinks that the Ivy League's just fumbled everything. I think they might have also, because what are they going to do this year? Colgate's least, not in the Ivy League. Uh, what What's the one in the Ivy League? The red the red, red one? Cornell. Cornell. That's right. Uh, then, then, what the hell? Uh, terrible, terrible uh, brain thing there. Both smart schools. Whatever. Uh, th- <laughs> Yale's not going to be ready. I mean, maybe by October they'll have some stuff going on, and but you can't just lift for two years. You have to, at some point, play another team. You cannot just scrimmage and scrimmage and scrimmage. You just can't. You, it gets people don't care. You stop caring unless you have coaches that that are going to keep on lighting the fire every day. It takes a lot of work to do to get everybody motivated and say, okay, we're going to play when we can instead of having an absolute destination. I cannot have any faith in the in the Ivy Leagues this year. We talked a lot about the benefits of having an extended summer training camp, if you will. I guess is the best way to, to, to describe it. Allowing guys to lift, recover, all that good stuff. But after a certain time, as you said, it turns into just an extra long off-season into way too much downtime. And if you're not having that much contact and that much game contact – it's just really hard to stay competitive at that same level. So it's it's really hard to buy in on any of these Ivy League teams. This is one of the games that I'm probably the least confident in, but I, my eyes were just drawn to it because Yale's usually a pretty good program, a decent program in the Ivy League at the very least. And UConn, as we know, is just bad, inconsistent, not even the best team in, in, in the state of Connecticut. After that, though, we've got September 11th, North Dakota, Utah State. And I think that this one for me, has juicy upset written all over it. North Dakota oh, yeah. explodes onto the scene. They look so, so good this past year. They did a lot of really good things. And then Utah State was just horrendous. One and five. Got smacked by a lot of the teams that they played. 41 and 27, or sorry, 41 to 27 win over New Mexico is the only actually notable game that I can point to. But there's a lot of things that I like about this North Dakota team. There's a lot of really, really good athletes on it. I'm honestly buying in, um, you know, just because of the fact that what they showed us. I think Otis Way was a great player last year. He's going to probably have a pretty good day against this really crappy Utah State team. Dude, North Dakota flies around. We've we Their defense is a swarm defense. And if Utah State doesn't go out there and match that energy, it's going to be a long day for Utah State. because We saw it. We saw how this defense plays. We saw how much juice they have. The last thing you want to do when you're playing an FCS team, when you're in the FBS, is come out flat. And that's why people get upset and teams get upset because they take teams lightly and they play flat. And when we were in, uh, uh, when we, I remember uh, in uh, film sessions, our uh, my coaches uh, would be very, very, They'd let you know exactly how this defense plays and what you need to expect. And when it was a team that flew around, or if it was a team that was mean, if it was regardless, they were saying, "Do not take this team, do not take this aspect of them lightly." Utah State's coaches need to say, "Hey guys, you know North Dakota F- FCS, you cannot let that get in your head. They are going to try to knock your head off." Oh, one hundred percent. I. 
I see North Dakota as one of those teams early on. You do not want to be playing if you're an FBS program. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're Utah State. I really see no redeeming qualities of playing a, a North Dakota team that is coming off of a, a record year for them. They have a, a fantastic athlete at running back. They've got a lot of young, talented players. They're going to come out and smack them in the face. I think that this is a, a, one of the more juicier games on here. Our next one, I'm not too sold on just because of how many guys have transferred out of Houston Baptist, but I think it's just an honorable mention category. September 2nd, Houston Baptist plays New Mexico. Uh, New Mexico last year, 2-5. and five. Only notable wins, and their only two wins, was Wyoming and Fresno State. And I think this is circumstantially based on the fact that New Mexico, and I also love New Mexico State also in just bad football programs at the FBS level. I just don't see anything from this New Mexico team that screams easily beating an FCS program. And if Houston Baptist can reload and, and maybe throw out there and, and be as productive, just slightly less productive offensively than they were last year, they could probably beat New Mexico pretty handedly. I mean, look, look at how they well they performed against Texas Tech. If you can, your backups are good enough to to compete with a team like New Mexico, and your starters were good were good enough to be that close with Texas Tech. I don't think it's it's too impossible for them to at least keep this game close. Now they don't have Bailey Zappi anymore, exactly. But Houston, Houston Baptist is a they're gonna they're gonna get in a shootout with you. That's just what they do. Uh, New Mexico, it, it's they they got to have their offense clicking because you know Houston Baptist is, is going to score. They're going to give up some points too. Now it, it's not going to be a complete uh, we love Houston Baptist session. They're going to give up some touchdowns. That's what they do. But they also score touchdowns, and there's a good offense that they run. You get a quarterback that is again doesn't have to be zappy, but runs the offense similarly to him. They're going to score points on New Mexico. They just will. And it's going to be close. Yeah, I see this one being a little bit closer. This one's a little bit harder to pick. But if, if Houston Baptist can reload like a little bit from what they had when they had Bailey Zappi, they could potentially win that football game. Right after that, another September game, September 11th, Southeastern Louisiana LA Tech. This one's uh, different than the, the rest of these in the sense that LA Tech was 5-5 five and five last year. They don't really have many notable wins. They beat North Texas as, I, as in my opinion, is their best win. But when you have the Walter Payton award winner, Cole Kelly, on your roster, coming back for his final year, he's looking better and better. If he comes back just a little bit improved in a short offseason, this could be a really big win for them. I mean, LA Tech, 5-5, five and five, but are they really that good of a football program that Southeastern Louisiana can't give them a little bit of a scare? This is a very, very highly productive offense, and if they have everybody on the field, they could legitimately do some damage. Yeah, my Cole Kelly jersey is already in the mail, um, so <laughs> I think we already know where I stand on this one. I, I, rooting for the upset, rooting for him, I don't know. He's six seven. he slings it, he's fun, he's mobile, he makes plays. It's just somebody that I can root for, and uh, LA Tech is going to have to game plan for him and him specifically. Southeastern Louisiana, we know that they get guys that are faster than you and quicker than you. That's what they, that's what they do. Uh, the team itself has never been, wow, they're really going to do it. They're really going to do it. They get ranked. They stay ranked. They win crazy games. So it, it's it's promising is what I would say about uh, Southeast Louisiana against uh, Louisiana Tech. Last one to wrap us up, Sean, and this one hits that criteria again of being a, a slam dunk. I 
if this is not one of our upsets, and I wouldn't even consider this to be an upset, if this is not one of the FCS FBS wins, I'm going to be shocked and frankly, very disappointed. Jackson State, September 18th against last season an 0-10 ULM team, University of Louisiana Monroe, known for having one of the ugliest alternate uniforms in the history of college football. Have you seen the... the, Look up ULM Monroe camo uniforms, Woodland camo uniforms. Easily the worst uniform I've ever seen in my life. Besides the point, Jackson State has finally filled in their recruiting class. Oh, my class. God. They're bringing in all those four-star guys, all those talented transfers. They're all yeah, – how ter- terrible are those uniforms? Oh, ew. Yes, exactly. Folks, go look it up. The terrible. Worst uniform oh, ever. that is hideous. Horrible. Horrible. Like, if you had that to pick – That is a if you horrible – the most random school in Louisiana to have the most ugly uniform, I would pick you, El, Mon- uh, El Monroe, for a team to have okay. the uniform. From a distance, it kind of looks like digi camo. It doesn't look terrible. No. You zoom in, it's wood camo jerseys. Any camo jersey is overrated. There are very few teams that have pulled it off. There's a do you remember that? AA, do you remember the AAU baseball digi camo trend? Yeah, and yeah. lacrosse did it too for a while, and then did football really? started doing it. Yeah, there were a lot. I thought of lacrosse did like carbon fiber stuff. I thought that was their no. thing to make it look. No, it was right about the same time when the travel baseball was doing the, the digital camo. Every sport did it when we were in middle school and early high school. And then I think everyone realized, oh, my God, this is horribly ugly. This is not. This does not look good. Oh, wait. Let's see here. The 25 ugliest college football art alternate uniforms yeah, of they, all time. They made, they made let's it in see, there. Let's see what they ranked. Bes- look, besides, besides that, John. Sorry. 12. Coach Prime Sorry. has geared up for a strong season next year. ULM is stupid for scheduling this game because they're going to get embarrassed. I literally do not see a redeeming aspect of this matchup for ULM. Jackson State is going to look fantastic. I I don't even think we need to go that deep. <laughs> they have it almost so feels like talent. a money game for Jackson State. Yes, I'm putting my money on, on Jackson State. Oh, Easily. Yeah. Dude, that's fantastic. I can't wait for this one. September 18th. Mm. I'm locking that in. Yeah, I'm locking that in as well. Sean, you got any closing thoughts for us? Um, You know what? It's just... Uh, nope. I got a grilled chicken sandwich sitting right next to me. Sorry for the sorry for the uh, mental lapses on the show. I was trying to get this chicken sandwich, and it uh, it's the sitting here. I'm going to eat it. Why would you just leave the sandwich sitting next to you? I would have let you eat it if you told me you had the sandwich there. Uh, my sister dropped it off mid-show. That's where, oh, that's that's, where the Cornell flub came. And that's then, highly uh, disrespectful. I would have been very upset if that happened. She was about to say something, uh, but I heard the door open, so that's when I jumped on. Uh, I think I cut you off, and I said, okay, Joe, uh, here's the thing. And then I just made some point. That was just obviously me just talking to talk, <laughs> just so she knew I was doing a show. <laughs> God. This is why you need to move What a hack I am. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks, that's the show. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review if you enjoy listening to the show. We're going to have some great uh, off-season content coming your way, working on planning that stuff. But as usual, I think we'll start soon doing our spiel of positional rankings, conference rankings, all that fantastic uh, good stuff. Follow us on Twitter at Joe DeLeon, at Sanderson Radio, at Believe Podcasts. And enjoy the rest of your week, folks. We'll talk to you soon.